Well, last week we were all about giants from strawberries to Irish greyhounds, but today it looks like all roads for giants lead to Kandahar. Plus, we'll take a look at what Google Bar's latest integrations mean for your Gmail. And most importantly, for me at least, is we're going to try a use case of Adobe's Generative Fill now that it's finally out of beta and approved for commercial use. What up, everybody? I'm Phil Buck, your host for AI Roundup, and I'm back again for another action-packed episode. Uh, I guess it's not really that action-packed, but it's got a ton of great news and some hilarious stuff I want to share with you right at the top of the show once again. Before we do that, I got a few events I want to share for you. First up, we had a new episode of Wins and Losses with Ray Orsini and Jason Slagle. Hoping Jason's feeling better. That is an episode we rescheduled last week, so make sure you catch up with the guys. As well as MSP Community Live at its new time on Fridays. That's after MSP Dispatch at 11 Eastern Time. And even more on Friday, we have the second episode of Bits and Books with Marnie Stockman. And it's going to be covering the second half of Getting Naked by Patrick Lencioni. And that's at noon. All right, so last week we were talking about giants. We had strawberries, we had Irish greyhounds, we had the giant blank of Kandahar. Yes, exactly. This is the new meme template for <laughs> AI-generated images. You know, I told you guys about the groups that I follow, Cursed AI, uh, AI Art Universe, as well as this page, Weird AI Generations. And uh, ever since I shared that uh, story with y'all last week of all the images of giants that were getting over on people, uh, for some reason this <laughs> AI uh, prompt template just took over. I saw hundreds of these. I'm going to just share a few of them because I think they're hilarious. The giant Ronald of uh, Kandahar. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, the giant smartphone of Kandahar. The giant QR code, and then of course my personal favorite, the giant Danny DeVito of Kandahar. <laughs> and that's why we had to give this uh, episode the namesake of the giant y YouTuber of Kandahar, which in this case is just going to be me. Now I'm not that big, but hey, it fits right in there with some of the other stories that we're going to be covering. So let's leave the giants behind and let's jump into the actual impact part of the show. All right, for today's actual impact segment, we're exploring the double-edged sword of AI advancements. I woke up this morning to news from several sites, including, let's see here, The Verge, uh, Gizmodo, uh, even CNN, <laughs> that it looks like Google's Bard chatbot now integrates with the Gmail, Docs, Drive, Maps, YouTube, and more. This is a move that aims to challenge what OpenAI can do with plugins, but it's slightly limited in how it only is integrating with Google's umbrella of technologies, if you know what I mean. Uh, using Bard with all these other apps is being called extensions by Google, and they are saying that they don't train their models on data that you opt into allow Bard to access. Uh, you know, this is kind of weird to me because on the other side of the same coin, I saw this story from uh, the Hacker News, which talks about Microsoft's recent security lapse it exposed 38 terabytes of private data. And to me, that just serves as a troubling look at what might happen if Google isn't totally honest about what they're doing with your data. 
the open source training data for one of Microsoft's LLMs, as well as disk backups for two former employees' workstations that included secrets, keys, passwords, and internal team messages. Uh, and, you know, for me, to further compound this, we covered this article on MSP Dispatch uh, just yesterday that Google is currently settling with the state of California for apparently collecting users' uh, location data, even when they had the option turned off in their apps. Okay, so let's just kind of unpack all this <laughs> together. The big announcement is that Bard can now let you give access to the chatbot to your Gmail, to your Docs, to your Drive, to your YouTube, to your Maps, to your flights. I mean, basically, it sounds like everything that Google already has in-house to offer you, which, I mean, we got to keep it real. If you're using any of those free services, you know that you are the product. You know, you're giving up your data to be able to use those products. I think to me, uh, I just had to highlight this particular change in that, yes, they're going to roll out the addition of BARD into all those things. And that means it's once again, giving up your data to that. And they say they don't train on it, but how much of that data, uh, if there's a mess up, like with Microsoft can somehow be visible. Um, you know, and then when you look at that article about the settlement with state of California, there are as Google says, these are outdated practices, but yet they were still practices that were in place at some point. I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, obviously, we want the convenience of these chatbots to be able to do these things. That's good. That's what's going to make them practical at this point. It's pretty impractical that you have to open up something like a chat GPT app on your phone and then try to integrate it with this or copy paste that in. You know, it's it's not to that level of Star Trek where you can just say computer uh, book me a flight to <laughs> uh, uh, New York City and, uh, you know, let it do its work. You got to do all the work for it. Um, so I'm excited about the idea that these things are coming. I just don't trust any of these companies yet. I feel like there needs to be a really, really, really strong front facing policy about, you know, none of this data. It, it, I guess more than none of this data can be used for training. I want to know that there's a very secure pipeline for uh, any data that you're offering to these things, you know, I don't want it to be able to be leaked out. Um, I think this is pretty important to everyone, but especially the MSP audience. So if you have any thoughts about this, sound off in the MSP media discord. I want to hear what you guys think about this. Um, but since we're talking about Google, there was another huge announcement that I want to cover in today's a big picture story. All right, so just kind of slightly keeping it on theme for the episode, <laughs> Google's Gemini is coming in. I am asking the question, is this the last giant LLM model? Uh, Google is making significant strides in the AI chatbot arena, preparing to release its multimodal conversational AI system, Gemini, and revamping its earlier chatbot, Bard. These moves set the stage for a showdown with OpenAI's ChatGPT and other competitors like Claude AI. However, the AI industry is on the cusp of a transformation, with experts suggesting a shift toward more specialized, fine-tuned large language models. Due to soaring training costs and concerns about biases, factual errors, and data security. There we go. And while Google aims to integrate AI across its ecosystem and compete with OpenAI's massive models, the industry as a whole is bracing for a period of downsizing and increased focus on quality over quantity. I think that's a great thing to hear. And in fact, I mean, we I saw two articles about this. One is just the announcement that it sounds like the information was reporting that this uh 
model has been tested out by some businesses. And this article was really the one that uh, stoked my interest because it's talking about something we've been covering here on the show for a while is that, hey, this is a huge model that's coming out. We recently even covered the Falcon model that is also a gigantic model, the open source model. But it does sound like, uh, and it's something that I've kind of uh, thought about on the show before that, you know, is this sustainable? Are these models going to keep growing in size and it's it's hard to say i mean obviously if companies have the resources and they see the return on investment then why wouldn't they keep trying to build bigger and better models but we've also seen the performance of uh you know fine-tuned models even on a you know personal computer not these giant <laughs> uh gpu arrays or whatever you know they use to train them uh, it's pretty exciting to see this so um while i'm curious to see what jim and i can do Obviously, I will be right there when it's finally available for some kind of beta or they finally put it in consumer mode so that we can try it out. Um, I'm also skeptical, like how many more of these will we see? Uh, personally, I don't want to see that many more. I would love to see more of what people are doing with these things on their own computer. So uh, I think I need to crack open uh, Ooga Booga and play around with uh, Llama 2 a lot more than I have been. <laughs> And uh, since we're talking about playing around, it's definitely time to get into the use case. And I'm going to show you guys what you can finally do for any purpose, whether it's personal or commercial with Adobe's generative fill. Okay, so today's use case isn't exactly breaking news because if you're willing to go download a beta version of Photoshop, you've been able to play around with Adobe's generative fill for a while now. What's exciting is that with the release of Photoshop 2024, you're now seeing that you can use generative fill as a built-in feature. Uh, this is important not only because it's widely accessible to anybody that has a Photoshop or a you know Creative Cloud uh, account, uh, but it's now approved, they say, for commercial use. Now, we've actually covered the fact that uh, there is some controversy surrounding the model that Firefly uses, which is the engine that runs the generative fill. Uh, they've claimed that it's only trained on stock photography that they own the rights to and opt-in and uh, public domain data. But people have actually been able to prompt the model to make art that is using artist style that did not opt-in. So I think one of the most important things about the generative AI feature for Adobe is that we're going to have to use it <laughs> to really test out what in the model and that being said uh, I, I applaud the idea that this model is uh, you know in the most optimistic sense a ethical model but even if you just take a look at the you know the ad that I was seeing on Facebook the reactions are both angry and sad people are not loving this <laughs> and on top of that looking at the comments uh it was pretty bleak as well people were still saying you know this is not what photoshop is for or yada yada and i i take personally an issue with that because i think I think that is what Photoshop is for. <laughs> We've been using Photoshop for like over maybe for decades now to alter photos so that they're not the real image. Now, I mean, you can debate what the motivation behind that was and you, you know, you may be right, but uh, nonetheless, I think it's a great tool. And so I think we need to just go ahead and play with it a little bit. Let's take a look. Uh, I went ahead and grabbed the image from last week's show where we use Canva and ChatGPT to build a social media post. And I thought this would be a great uh, tool to just, you know, a, a great canvas rather to play around and see if we can maybe change my outfit first. Like maybe we'll just highlight. So essentially what you do with the generative fill tool is you just select an area 
And then once you selected it with the lasso or the marquee tool, you're going to get this, uh, what is it called? Uh, contextual tech contextual taskbar where you've got the generative fill feature right there. And all you have to do is type in what you want. So let's say a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, I can't spell. Let's try a tropical shirt. And uh, I'll fast forward this part uh, through the rest of the video. Generally speaking, it does take, uh, I don't know, about 10 to 15 seconds for generative fill to work. So that's interesting. I mean, it's not terrible. It's funny that it hid my hands and put them in my pocket <laughs> uh, or crossed my arms. Interesting. Uh, the neck to uh, chest transition is kind of weird. Um, this one is maybe the most believable. I don't know about the necklaces, but, um, Hey, let's just go with it and let's keep this going. Let's get our lasso tool. We'll go back down to the first layer and let's see if we can, uh, maybe put a, Oh, you know what? I should, should, uh, add in a little more. So if I was going to do a straw hat, so let's See, one of the things you'll want to do is make sure you select enough area, not just the area you want to replace, but the whole area that, you know, um, that your new generative uh, image will fill. So let's try a straw hat. Uh, once again, the, the, <laughs> the transition from the top of my head with the hat uh, is, is pretty odd, but I, I guess it works. I'm not sure how I feel about my hair in any of these, but um, let's just stick with the first one. Um, okay, and then finally, let's. I'm actually just going to say uh, W select subject. Uh, that's a, oop, you know what, wrong, wrong layer. Let's try that again. Select subject. Yep, we'll discard that. And then Command Shift I is going to select everything except me. And let's say a, a beach. A sunny, clear day at the beach. And I'm kind of skeptical about this. I probably could have done a better job on the uh, the marquee selection of me, but hey, we're just having fun. Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible. It definitely did not do a good job of cutting me out. So it's almost like it'd probably be a better idea for me to cut myself out and then put the beach background in there. But, um, you know, we can probably fix that with some masking. I'm not going to do it right now because you guys get the idea. Uh, and then last thing, let's just grab that lasso tool one last time. And in honor of uh, 38 at 38, we're going to make a new layer. We'll just make a little selection right here. And this is something I love. <laughs> Flamingo is the fact that, you know, since ideally this is, it uses a language we don't support. That's interesting. Flamingo? You don't know how to generate a flamingo? A bird? Maybe I had a typo, but my point was just to say that, uh, since this is supposedly trained on stock photos, instead of going to search to find one, you know, you can let it do the work for you, go find the, the photos in it's uh, training and then generate a flamingo. Ideally, there we go. It's quite close to the camera. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, this is wonderful. I think uh, if any of you out there are, you know, using Adobe's uh, latest version of Photoshop to integrate generative fill uh, in your workflow, you know what? There's one last feature we should try out. Uh, that is to say, though, if you're using it, please jump in the Discord and let me know.
you know what you're doing with it uh, I love this feature if you're using the crop tool you can now use generative expand so you can just uh, open up your uh, canvas right there and hit generative expand uh, you don't even have to fill in anything just tell it generate and there we go look at that that's beautiful I mean basically what happened is it took the existing image and it just made it wider for me and it gives you a few options there as well so hey I love this I think this is the coolest technology and personally I'm not a person that's in the reactions or the comments sad reacting or mad reacting this I think this is a ton of fun <laughs> alright y'all that's our AI roundup for today be sure to join us in the MSP Media Network Discord the link is in the show notes also be sure to hit us up on social media at MSP Media TV or email news at mspmedia.tv or even give us a call at 833 MSP network i'm phil buck and this has been your september 20th episode of ai roundup and i'll see you next time this has been a broadcast of the msp media network